Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the uh, Point After Fantasy Football Podcast. Previously, the We Love Moms Fantasy Football Podcast. Still the same people though. Uh, this is your host, Colin Curtis. I'm joined today with my good friend, Dana Zach. What's going on, Dana? Hey, Colin, how are you? And, you know, just just because we changed the name does not mean we don't still love our moms, because we definitely do. No, certainly still love our moms, love moms in general, but uh, decided a, a more football-relevant name was necessary, especially because we've been doing this for a full season now, and uh, it, it seems like something that uh, Dan and I would like to continue moving forward and, and hope that we can grow our, our listenership and uh, appreciate all the listeners out there uh, already, and thanks for being the uh, the original crew listening to um, It is Super Bowl weekend. We it, we are uh, recording this on Wednesday before the Super Bowl. Um, so Dana and I are going to run you through the Super Bowl matchup and talk about some of the key players that perhaps if you're doing a DFS lineup that uh, maybe stand out to us or, you know, build a parlay <clears throat> That is what you are into at this point in time, ever since the new year in Ohio, especially uh, just, you know, daily sports, fantasy sports and sports book betting has just become so popular. So um, we'll build parlays for you. We'll talk about what we think might happen in the game. And then last week, if you listened, we uh, started to break down this past year's uh, fantasy football draft for our local Brunswick fantasy football league. Uh, we went through half the teams, talked about who they drafted, some of their best draft picks, some of their worst draft picks. We'll do the other half of the teams, including my terrible draft. Um, and we'll just talk about how bad it was this past year. <coughs> uh, but regardless, we'll have some fun today. Um, but we'll start here with the Super Bowl matchup. This Sunday, February 12th, will be the Chiefs against the Eagles in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, Chiefs are now returning for, what's the third time in five years? Something like that. Um, one loss, one win. So they're hoping to get back on the winning track. And the Eagles haven't been there in a little while. Uh, last time was with Nick Foles, and that was a magical season for them. So, you know, I would like to see new teams in the Super Bowl, but... It, you know, it is what it is. It's it's nice that probably the two best teams made it, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think anyone got robbed. I don't think, um, you know, anyone got on a hot streak like last year with the Bengals. I think the two best teams in the NFL probably made the Super Bowl this year. What are your thoughts initially, Dana, on this matchup? Who are some of the players that maybe stand out to you? Uh, obviously, the quarterback matchup is a huge, um, you know, news story it's the first time in NFL history that two black quarterbacks are going against each other in the Super Bowl um, so that's a really cool thing to see and, and two quarterbacks that frankly have changed the quarterback position um, in the NFL over the last few years so uh, it certainly should have fireworks if they're playing to their full potential um, and, and that's a big issue heading into this game it's the end of the season people are beat up so talk a little bit about the the quarterback matchup and who you think has the edge uh, on the other. And then how you think this game flow is going to go. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of mentioned it last week, what we think might happen, but uh, I want to hear if you think anything has changed or some standout players perhaps for, for your DFS lineups, if that is something that you plan on doing for the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, so I, I don't plan on doing any DFS lineups um, only because I've been doing a lot of, uh, like, uh, parlays. Um, so I really haven't been setting any, like, fantasy-specific lineups for, um, you know, for these games just because I've, uh, you know, with the sports book betting being very new, it's something that I'm, you know, really intrigued with. And, you know, it's always fun building those parlays. Um, in regards to the quarterback battle, you know, I, I really think it's going to be dependent on how healthy – Patrick Mahomes actually is, uh, you know, we saw him a few weeks ago against the Bengals where he, he came up hobbling and limping a few times, but he ended up finishing the game. And the latest report is that he, he seems okay. He was quote, he was said, quote, we'll see on game day, how close to a hundred percent I can be. So that's, you know, that not, not that it scares me, but that's something that, you know, we have to consider. Um, Cause again, he had a really nasty fall, um, a really nasty you know, potential injury. And so if he's not a hundred percent, all it takes is one or two tackles and we might have a, a similar game to the 49ers Eagles where their starting quarterback goes out and they got to play with their backup quarterback. And, you know, when that happens and a team's just not prepared for it, you know, or even if they are prepared for it, it really does make a huge difference. So um, <clears throat> I think it's going to really depend on, on his health, but I, I, I do like Patrick Mahomes in the actual quarterback matchup battle and for yardage wise. Um, Cause I think that he's going to have to air it out more just because of how dominant that uh, Philly's offensive line is. Um, I think that Jalen hurts will have plenty of opportunities to run. I think Miles Sanders will be Miles Sanders, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. I think they'll all get a few opportunities to hold the rock and, and get some yards behind uh, Jason Kelsey and all them. So you know, for the overall quarterback battle, I think that Mahomes is going to have to throw more. But I, I really do like Jalen Hurts a lot. I, I've liked him for the past, not this past year, but two years ago in fantasy in one of the later rounds. And he ended up you know, a star toward the end of the season. And, of course, this this past season. So I, I really do like him a lot. I think that the Eagles are going to prevail. That's that's my Super Bowl pick spoiler. Um, but I, I think it's also going to come down to how much A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith can get open. Um, you know, they really have been pretty subpar these past these these two games that the Eagles had to play to get to the championship, to get to the Super Bowl, I'm sorry. And they just really they both really didn't have to play as as much as they needed to. So I, this is going to be different. This isn't going to be like, you know, them playing against the 49ers where they're just going to run all over them, throw all over them and, you know, them have to do anything. I really think that this is going to be a big game for those two. Yeah, and you know, for me, you know, looking over the the list here, we got some injuries that besides Patrick Mahomes and and Jalen Hurts that could play a factor. Um, Nicole Harmon was placed on injured reserve, so he will not play in this game. You got to feel for him. Um, I mean, he's been there before, but anytime that you get to a Super Bowl, obviously you want to play and help your team and do whatever you can. Um, but in his place, I thought this was interesting. They re uh, they activated. CEH, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, so I guess my next question is, I mean, do you get CEH on the field in some capacity, especially if, you know, Kadarius Tony, who's also on the injured list, like they're going to be short on playmakers. Um, you know, they've been relying upon those two gentlemen throughout the season, you know, and, and obviously MVS has had a big playoff, so he's going to be, Huge factor. Juju Smith-Schuster is also banged up. He's not playing to full health. Um, do you think CEH plays a role at all in the Super Bowl? 
Um, or do you think they continue to ride with Isaiah Pacheco and um, Jarek McKinnon as kind of this catching out of the backfield versus, you know, smashing up the center with Isaiah Pacheco? I would honestly be really surprised if um, CEH does play any kind of role because, you know, you said he was you said he was activated. So has he been practicing? Has he done, been doing anything football related? Supposedly, that? supposedly he's been practicing with the team uh, since bef- uh, after last week's um, conference championship game. So he's been practicing with them the last week and a half or so. Um, he's he's there and supposedly is going to suit up for the game. Okay. Um, I mean, I still like Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon over him without a doubt. Maybe, you know, if you wanted, if you are playing DFS and you want someone super cheap, he might fall into the end zone off the one, two yard line. But even then, I'd, I still think I would take Pacheco over, over him. If you were, were talking that, <clears throat> you know, if we're talking like daily fantasy or sports book wise, um, but just overall play. Um, I'm, I guess I won't say that I'm surprised by it because Ronald Jones is also on the roster, which they got from, uh, Tampa Bay last year, this past offseason, he hasn't done anything for this team. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just there just to make sure, you know, just in case something happens to Pacheco or Jarek McKinnon, who they've been using as a committee. Um, Claudette, your CEH can jump into that spot. <clears throat> he hasn't really been much of a, uh, a route runner. So maybe if anything, like if let's just say one of their wide receivers in MBS or Juju get hurt. I mean, you still have Sky Moore, Justin Watson. Um, Jerry McKinnon could go to the outside or maybe in the slot and run a few, you know, quick routes, quick hits or a bubble screen, things like that. So if they do get low on wide receivers, Jerry McKinnon can catch the ball. Or if they run a two men uh, back, you know, kind of have Jarek run off from one of the sides and catch a uh, pass out of the backfield, that's also quite possible. Um, but that would really be the only time that I would see C- – I-, I think CEH is going to get a heavy dose of – or a-, a dose of the ball at all. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, you know, I'm not putting any stock into CEH coming back. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, he's been out for quite a bit and they decided to reactivate him in time for the Super Bowl. Um, and Kansas City has been known to uh, throw some surprises in there from time to time um, in big game situations. So I wouldn't be surprised to see CEH with some kind of design play and they get him out into space. He's been, you know, resting up over the last six to eight weeks or so that he's been out so just something uh, that I thought was an interesting talking point and, and then going on to receiving obviously with Travis Kelsey on the Kansas City side if if Travis Kelsey gets going I don't see how Kansas City can't you know put points on the board and and really challenge <clears throat> Eagles are gonna have to have some kind of game plan for Travis Kelsey and then on the reverse, you, you brought up A.J. Brown, obviously. You brought up Devontae Smith. The Chiefs secondary has been pretty weak all season, uh, and that's really been one of their their points of being exposed by other teams, of you know teams going deep on them or teams being able to throw quite a bit on them, and they've always been able to just kind of keep up on the points end of things. But Patrick Mahomes, as you rightfully said, I, I saw an interview with him, and he – he kind of shrugged off the injury concerns and said, well, everyone's beat up at this time of the year. Well, he's facing a high ankle sprain, which in the NFL world is like not anything to mess around with. And the fact that he played in the conference championship game just showed his grit and determination and willingness to, to fight through pain for his team. I, I think ultimately he'll probably win the MVP this year. 
and I think that performance last week might have sealed it for him. Even though, like, I think Jay, what Jalen Hurts has done this year is incredible, but the numbers don't simply – it just doesn't match up. You know, Mahomes to have over 5,000 yards passing, over 40 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions for how much he throws. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts just doesn't throw as much as that. Um, he had 22 passing touchdowns this year and nearly, you know, 4,000 passing yards. But, um, you know, I think, honestly, these are the two most consistent quarterbacks all season. Um, and it's going to be a, a matchup for the ages to the point where I think it could be a high-scoring game if these guys are healthy. That's going to be the biggest thing. And, and unfortunately, you're not going to know that until – you know, the first few plays of the game on both sides of the ball where is Patrick Mahomes limping around? Is he grimacing every single time that he drops back? Is he able to scramble out of the pocket? In Jalen Hurts' case, you know, he hurt his shoulder. and He's been very timid to run out of the pocket. He's been very timid to do the design running plays that, you know, had the Eagles undefeated through, you know, the early parts of the season. Um, so is he going to be willing to gut it through for the Super Bowl, both these guys, and play up to their full potential. I think they will, uh, and I think this extra week off has definitely helped in that regard. So I like a high-scoring game in this one. Last week I said, you know what, these guys are hurt. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be low-scoring running. I don't. I I think they're going to put the ball in their playmakers' hands, and they're going to try and and win the game. But I'm going to disagree with you just as a little uh, tidbit here. I think the Chiefs win this game. Right now, the Eagles are a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Consensus ESPN pick has 59% of people picking the Eagles, Um, and it's understandable. Uh, Like I said, I think these are the two best teams that the NFL had this season, the most consistent teams. Any uh, thoughts on that, Dana? Any further thoughts that you want to I just really, I, I, you know, I, I think about Patrick Mahomes and how great he is, but I just feel as though the Eagles offensively and defensively are just more of a complete team, which is why I lean toward them. Um, and, you know, I don't have a dog in this fight at all. I'm not like a Chiefs fan or like an Eagles fan. I really like um, the Kelsey brothers, one on each side, and I really like Jalen Hurts. Um, but that's that's why I'm picking the Eagles, only because like I just think that they have a more the the most well-rounded team. And with you, you know, we talked about Travis Kelsey. <clears throat> they have enough decent corners to where like Darius Slay might come over and shade not shade Travis Kelsey, but he might cover Travis Kelsey in a few routes, you know, up the middle rather than a, a middle linebacker if he's get, if they're getting beat. So like. Anything could happen, and if like you notice that Travis Kelsey is getting five or six catches, and you know he's really tearing your defense up, you got to make an adjustment. Yeah, in a game this close, both teams are fourteen and three. Both teams have elite offenses. Both teams have shown that they can win big games. They can win close games. Um, both quarterbacks have just put up elite numbers in different ways this year. So, like, I start to look at well, what's different between the two teams? And for me, I think, it again, it comes down to coaching. you got Andy Reid, who's one of the most experienced coaches in NFL history, um, you know, going against his former team in the Super Bowl, just an offensive wizard, uh, a guy that has really helped Patrick Mahomes become the face of the NFL. Um, and, you know, going against a young coach, Nick Sirianni, has had a fantastic season. Um, 
former Mount Union football player, which is kind of cool that he, you know, went to Mount Union, which is about 45 minutes down the road from us, um, known for their football. So it's uh, a younger, more inexperienced coach who's had a really great season, probably has the best team on paper. I agree with you. I think from top to bottom, the Eagles are probably a a more complete team. Um, Their defense is certainly better than the Chiefs' defense. But the Chiefs always, like, find ways to win games. They did a really nice job of shutting Joe Burrow last week in the conference championship games. Um, And I think they're going to find a way to shut down Jalen Hurts as well. They're going to kind of keep him contained in the pocket and make him throw, which is certainly his weakness. Um, But, you know, he's an NFL quarterback, so he he can make plays for sure. But he becomes extremely dangerous when he can roll out and hurt you with his legs or if he draws you in find that open pass to his big time receivers you know so completely agree with you the best team on paper is the philadelphia eagles probably from the beginning of the season they're probably the best team on paper but when you have patrick mahomes and andy Reid on the other side and they have something to prove they feel like they really let the fans down last year after losing the Bengals. They've finally gotten back to the game that they've been waiting for. I just I don't know how you bet against that, and I, I feel like the the Chiefs are going to sneak one out. It's going to be very close. Although I will say, one of my coworkers, his wife is from Kansas City. She is a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan. J.C. Meisner, Rachel Meisner. If you end up listening to this, I'm talking about you. Um, and according to J.C. Rachel's a little nervous about this one. Um, doesn't think that the Chiefs uh, are the favorites by any means, and that's what the numbers say. But, uh, yeah, she's a little nervous to the point where she's like, if we win, awesome. If we lose, it's kind of what I expected, um, which I thought was interesting because she is a diehard Chiefs fan, has always given me such a hard time about the Browns, as she should, because the Browns stink. But, uh, <laughs> you know. I think it's cool that, you know, she's from Kansas City. This is not a bandwagon situation by any means. This is uh, – she went through all the bad times with the Kansas City Chiefs, and there were a lot of them. Um, I, I remember growing up that the Chiefs were not very good. So uh, exciting for her, for her family. Um, and, and I know if the Chiefs win, I will be able to hear her um, from cities away um, screaming for her Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and that that's awesome. But you know, sometimes when when it comes down to the nitty gritty, you just gotta be realistic with yourself. You know, it's like it's the same thing with us as Browns fans. You know, like if we went and listened to the first podcast that we did during COVID, and we went over, you know, who we thought like the Browns' entire schedule, like how off were we, right? Like we, Earth. I think most of us had them at like what eleven and five or eleven and six, like twelve and five, like. We really had, you know, as Browns fans, we had them winning just about every game, you know. So, sure. but there are times like that where you have to be realistic, you know. And and a big thing is, is like I said, like it takes Mahomes, someone falling on Mahomes' leg one time, and he could be completely done. And that could be, you know, not the end of the year, but that could be the end of his game. And then you got to play with, um, I forgot who the backup is, um, uh, but you know, he's he's not inexperienced, but he's. Yeah. And obviously, 
Chad Henney. So Chad Henney's obviously not inexperienced. He's been in, you know, games before, but he's obviously no Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And, you know, last week I thought, oh, this is going to be a running game back and forth. So it's going to be between Pacheco and Miles Sanders, who, you know, Pacheco as a rookie out of Rutgers kind of came out of nowhere. No one really knew this guy coming into the season. But the Chiefs, yet again, with Andy Reid, they find ways to get the most out of their players. And then the Miles Sanders, who we've ranted about on numerous occasions where, you know, it's not always flashy, but he gets the job done. He had a great season this year, um, over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's going to have to have another big game, uh, especially if Jalen Hurts is not playing up to his full <clears throat> capabilities. So ultimately, I think the spotlight's clearly going to be on Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, but it, it might be one of these difference makers throughout the season that steps up and, and wins the game for either side. So, um, you know, look to the running backs, look to, you know, the Travis Kelsey, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith type matchups, especially with the Kansas city secondary. But ultimately, you know, you, I, I trust Patrick Mahomes over Jalen hurts. That's just kind of how I feel about it. So, to move on from this Super Bowl matchup, uh, I will officially ask you, Dana, the over-under is 51 points currently, according to ESPN. Um, are you taking the over or are you taking the under? And the spread is one and a half points, Philadelphia. So you've already said you think Philly's going to win. Um, do they cover that spread? And then give me an estimated score. And before we pick our parlays, um, maybe a, a standout player that you think might be the difference maker. So I would love to see a high scoring game um, just because none of the games this year have really been, you know, super high scoring, like, like both teams in the thirties, like the Eagles, they won 31, seven, the chiefs won 23, 20 over the Bengals, you know, all the games were, you know, either lopsided or they were in the twenties. So I would love to see like a, a 37-34 game, just a, a complete shootout. I think that that would be a lot of fun for viewership and, you know, the NFL in general, because this is one of the most watched televised sports programs of the year. Um, so I, I I want to say the over, even though I'm kind of hesitant, just because the offenses in the postseason hasn't, haven't been too great to get us there. But I'm going to say the over. I'd love, like I said, I'd love to see like a 37-34 uh, Eagles win so um, I'm going to say over 51 and I do think they are uh, I do think they cover that one and a half and you know a real standout is I honestly think that it's going to come down to the Philadelphia receiving core I think that if Brown um, Devontae Smith I think if the two of them have really big games I think that Prince Maker in this matchup only because the two of them combined and and Dallas Goddard are better than the um, wide receivers that Patrick Mahomes is currently throwing to besides Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and just to be different from you, I'm going to go the complete opposite of just everything that you said. Um, I, I think low-scoring game, and I, I, as a former kicker myself, think it's going to down to as many Super Bowls have the leg of either Harrison Bucker or of oh goodness I'm drawing a blank on their kicker's name Elliot Jake Elliot 
Jake Elliott. There we go. It's going to come down to the leg of both of those guys, as as many close games typically do. And, and I could see like a, a a field goal fest in this game, which no one wants to see in the Super Bowl. Of course, <laughs> got two playmakers in it, but I could see like a, like an eighteen fifteen kind of game, like literally uh, like field goals, and it could be messy. There might be a defensive score here or there. Um, but again, I, I still think it's going to come down to the to the arms and legs of Patrick Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts. They're going to have to make plays to put their teams in good positions to then kick those field goals. And you know, Pacheco and Miles Sanders are going to have to to grind out those really tough yards uh, in between the trenches. And I think it'll be exciting. Um, I just don't know how many scores will actually happen. I I, w- I hope for all of us <laughs> viewing this game, especially as people that don't have any, you know, personal bias in the game, that it is high scoring, that your 37-34 prediction, that would be a fantastic Super Bowl. It would be really exciting. I think the Eagles' defense is a little too good for that. Um, And I also think just the nature of the game, the nerves that will be involved. I mean, it's the human element. It's, It's There will be mistakes made on both sides of the ball, but typically in really close, tight games, conservative play calling comes into play and... Um, risk taking goes out the window a little bit, but I'm saying that the the Chiefs win and they win, they cover the spread, obviously. And I'm going to take the under on the 51, and I'm going like an 18 15 score. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but you know, just for our viewership, I'll go the complete opposite of everything you (laughs) (laughs) makes me feel like I picked wrong. No, no, no. I, I I hope for our sake that you are correct. Um, build us a quick parlay, if you would, if you have not done so already. Um, talk about what you think is going to happen in this game. You've already mentioned it a little bit, but through a parlay perspective, tell us um, what your thoughts are, and I will pull up my parlay that I built uh, a few days ago. <clears throat> yeah, so um... – you know, I was I, 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 I'm on a few different um, sportsbook apps because they, you know, at the beginning of the year, they gave out free bets. Um, so, you know, I took advantage of FanDuel and um, <clears throat> DraftKings. So on DraftKings in particular, they always have, you know, I always like to, you know, I check daily um, because they'll usually have like a parlay builder where they'll give you a bonus wager. So, you know, if you get like a five leg parlay or a six leg, they start giving you a parlay bonus which will boost the amount of winnings you had. Um, so what I went ahead and did was I made a, <clears throat> I made an eight pick parlay. Um, the normal odds were plus 650. And, um, you know, every bit that you go beyond zero in the plus category, the less likely it is to happen. So a plus 1000 is less likely to happen than a plus 100. Um, same thing for the opposite. So, you know, a minus 1,000 is almost really likely to happen. And as you get closer to zero, it's, you know, it kind of balances out to be more likely versus less likely. Um, So this one was a plus 650, but because of the eight legs, I got a 65% parlay boost, which makes this equivalent to a uh, 1,070, a plus 1,072 parlay. Um, But what I did here was I made a lot of things um, that were really low. So um, things that I could foresee hitting. And um, my eight legs are, I've got Travis Kelsey as an anytime touchdown scorer. I've got the Kansas City Chiefs over 17 and a half points. I have the Philadelphia Eagles over 17 and a half points. 
I've got Jalen Hurts over 199 and a half yards, so just getting over 200 or anything over 200. I've got Patrick Mahomes over 249 and a half, so anything over 250 essentially. Um, I have A.J. Brown over 59 and a half receiving yards. I also have Devontae Smith over 59 and a half receiving yards. And my last leg is Travis Kelsey at 64 and a half. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, I really like this one because I took a lot of the smaller averages. So if it is going to be a, a shootout as I think, or what might happen, um, this is something that could definitely hit. Um, I put $10 on it and $10 wins me $107. Nice. Well, you know where I'm going with mine. All touchdowns, baby. Yes. Yes. And big leg so 14 legs i picked for <laughs> the one that i built um it's plus eighty-seven thousand uh odds so going big going big um but you know again I, I go through and i try to pick things that i think will reasonably happen based on trends that have occurred over the last few weeks or this season um so i did pick kansas city to win so right off the bat um already in the the minus in terms of odds I said that they would cover the spread. Um, I think they're going to win by a field goal. Uh, Under 50 and a half points. Uh, It's now up to 51, so I'm still taking the under on that. Um, I said Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown score, I completely agree with you. I just think he's had an incredible season. He's too elite, and he's going to want to show out against his brother. Uh, That's another cool dynamic that we can talk about here. Um, with with two brothers going against each other in the Super Bowl and two brothers that are from the Cleveland area, uh, which makes it even cooler. Um, I picked Marquez Valdez-Scantling to score a touchdown. Now, again, he's he had a touchdown in the conference championship game. He had a touchdown the week before as well in the divisional round. Um, so I just think there's this connection between him and Patrick Mahomes, and I'm leaning on a touchdown for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And then on the Eagles side of things, I, I picked Miles Sanders to go into the end zone, probably on a one, two, two-yard touchdown um, as they get down close to the end zone. I, I, again, when I built this, I was leaning on the, you know, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes is hurt. They're not going to be able to throw as much. It's a big game. Um, so that already kind of limits the the offensive capabilities. So I put, I picked under 240 and a half yards passing for Jalen Hurts. I thought that was pretty easy. He, he's been averaging around 200 in all the playoff games so far. Uh, and then Patrick Mahomes, I took the under on 290 and a half passing yards. Um, and, and a big part of that, you know, he could easily crush that if, if this game is an offensive explosion. Um, but I just don't think he's healthy, and I, I think it's going to limit his capabilities. I think the Eagles' defense is legit, um, so I think it's going to make it hard for Patrick. I, I could see this going into the half like a really low-scoring game. Um, so I'm taking the under on that. Uh, Jalen Hurts under 49-and-a-half rushing yards. Again, I just don't think he's going to be able to scramble the way that he has uh, during the early parts of the season. Miles Sanders over 60 and a half rushing yards. I'm hoping for a big Miles Sanders game. Lots of carries as Dana loves. Give him that volume. Uh, uh, Isaiah Pacheco over 48 and a half rushing yards. Again, uh, kind of a grinded out battle between the trenches um, for the running backs here. 
Kenneth Gainwell has had a nice playoff run. Um, his over under was 18 and a half rushing yards. I quickly hit the over. Um, I believe he did that in one play last uh, last time out in the conference championship game. Um, Jalen Hurts under one and a half passing touchdowns. Um, I don't think he will have a passing touchdown in this game, believe it or not, even cool. though he's got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I think uh, it's going to be a Miles Sanders show. And then I took uh, took Patrick Mahomes over one and a half passing touchdowns again because I think he's got one to Kelsey and he's got one to Marcus Valdez-Scantling. So that's one thing that I like to do on these parlay builders is like if I'm already saying that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw two touchdowns, that's an easy one to pick over one and a half touchdowns. So it, it's kind of double dipping, but uh, mm-hmm. it increases your odds and it's something that you already say is going to happen. So as you're building these parlays, you know, don't be afraid to go through all the different things and say, well, I already think that's going to happen. I already said it's going to happen up here. So double dip and uh, you're able to build that onto your, your same game parlay. So a $1 bet, Dana will win me $878.72. So, Man, that I'm, is fantastic. Yes, yes. So as I always say, I'm crazy. I built these. I think they're fun to build. That's part of the entertainment of it. Um, and, you know, one day, perhaps one day, all these things will hit. I've gotten close on these big parlays where I've had one or two things that didn't hit. Um, that's all it takes to, to make it go bad. Um but yeah, pick and choose what you like out of that. Uh, you can make smaller ones, obviously. Um, but go big or go home, especially for the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll, I'll probably build one, um, you know, later this week before the Super Bowl. Kind of might dispute a lot of these things and just kind of go the opposite direction, and maybe one will will hit <laughs> versus. Yeah, with your with your bets, um, there's actually a boost on DraftKings, I believe, where they have uh, in the first quarter Isaiah Pacheco and Miles Sanders to both rush for more than ten yards. Um, wow. it, it was, I think, it was minus one fifty normally, and then they're boosting it to plus one hundred. Um, so you know, it's a it's a double your money opportunity. So you know, if you want to put a dollar in, you have a chance to win two bucks. Um, so it's definitely something, you know, if, if you think in the whole first quarter, those two guys will get 10 or more yards rushing, um, you know, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And that's why I mentioned, you know, I, why I like, I like DraftKings is they always have they always, they, they give out some time, um, some things like that, for example, where they boost a lot of things that are minus and then they go into the pluses that could really win you some money. Not rich enough for my blood, Dana Zach, not <laughs> my blood i'll waste my one dollar on a 14 league parlay nothing wrong with that hopefully this one hits for you (laughs) you know one day one day (laughs) all right do you have a another parlay you want to share with us from the FanDuel side of things or you want to move on to the draft um i can take a look very quickly i i usually do my uh super bowl ones like my football ones the day of or the day before just sure. to see if they have any, you know, free bets, uh, you know, or no sweat bets. I know they usually do a lot of those. Um, but for the Super Bowl, um, I have a 50 cent bet uh, for points to be scored in the first minute of play. Um, it was plus 4,000. So 50 cents, it wouldn't be 20 bucks. I figured I- I'd throw 50 cents on it, you know, because why not? Um, uh, also, 
uh, AJ Brown and Devonte Smith <clears throat> to combine for 200 plus receiving yards. Um, that was plus 500. Uh, I put five bucks on it and that I wouldn't be $30 if it happens. So um, just put a, just a little bit on there because I was, you know, trying to take advantage of some of these, these, these higher end odds. Very nice. Yeah. I completely agree. As we get closer to Sunday, I'll probably be checking the app constantly seeing what I can tinker with and, and pick. So um, always an exciting time. And, you know, this new sports book gambling um, has made it even more fun to, to talk with your friends and, build these crazy parlays and maybe, <laughs> maybe win a little bit of money as well so hopefully not lose any that's for sure that's <laughs> all right well that is it for our uh super bowl preview um we'll talk about the game next week and what ultimately happens but you know i think this is maybe the first time or one of the few times that dana and i have like ever disagreed on a on a outcome of a game we, we typically uh agree on who's going to win and that kind of stuff but it, it just shows you these are the two best teams in the league and anything can happen um, absolutely and that's the fun part is you know it, it, this could this could go anyway this game could finish nine to six just because right. of injuries and everything or this game could like i said it could go 47 to 42 you know we just never really know and and that's always the fun about it now now colin i was thinking and Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the the last is it the last two or three or two of three didn't the power go out at the stadium in yeah. the last the last few? I wonder if there's some kind of crazy bet for the power to go out again. Yeah, I mean they have bets about like singing the national anthem and like forgetting the words or like <laughs> are they going to put their hand over their heart when they sing the national anthem or is it going to be heads or tails on the coin flip like they have so many things that you can bet on or like the super bowl halftime show is you know rihanna going to start with this song or that song like i've seen all these crazy things uh, my one friend from college he sends us like a thing that's like 50 questions long that are all those types of questions and you can put <laughs> You could put $10 on it or whatever, and you pick all the different things, and whoever gets the most wins the pot. <coughs> it, it's fun. fun. Yeah, it's just something goofy to do, and it's nice, especially for the significant others that might not be interested in the football part of things. Um, they get excited, my wife in particular, to like pick those um, you know, kind of goofy things, and they look for that during the game, or they look for that during the halftime show. It, it's truly an American event. Uh, it's become a holiday uh, where you know people <laughs> pretty <laughs> all day thinking about the football game and thinking about the halftime show and the commercials have become obviously such a huge thing too. So it, they've done a really nice job of attracting wider audiences that maybe aren't necessarily interested in football, but. <laughs> A family American event. Absolutely. So um, we will uh, finish up talking about our fantasy draft from the beginning of the season, just kind of reflecting on some of the picks. Uh, last week, we went over seven of the 12 teams. Um, and for sake of time, we decided to split it and uh, do the rest of the teams this week after the Super Bowl preview. So I'm just going to run through the teams very quickly. I'll run through the players that they drafted. And Dana, really all I want you to do is kind of pinpoint maybe one player that you're like, whoa, that was a really nice pick. Um, that was a huge factor for them and why their season went so well. 
And then maybe one player where you're like, what were they thinking? Why would they draft that player? That was a total bust. Uh, might, might explain why their season went the way it did if they, it didn't go so well. So, And I will do the same. But uh, to start us off, we are going to go to Timmy, who uh, typically a very strong fantasy player. Um, he struggled this year, uh, big time. And a big part of that has to do with um, the injuries to both Javante Williams and uh, Jonathan Taylor, who were his two of his keepers. Um, he also kept Aaron Jones. So of all of our teams, he was the only one that kept three running backs um, as his three keepers, which I don't know if that says anything and maybe explains why he didn't do so well. Um, but he in the draft, he goes very wide receiver heavy very early. He went Mike Williams, Devontae Smith, um, Damian Pierce. Rookie um, run. Oh, where he was drafted. Uh, I think he got him. I think he got him not long after he got uh, Devontae Smith. I think it was in the fifth. There, maybe, got- maybe. I think he might have taken him in the fifth round where Chris was supposed to pick. Gotcha. Yep, he's posted at the which bottom. Which is which is huge. Which is huge. Right. Yeah. So. To, to have Mike Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Smith, who had a breakout season, uh, then Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson, two rookie wide receivers that he took a gamble on. Obviously, Chris Olave had a better season than Jahan Dotson, but um, Damian Pierce, a rookie running back. So a lot of rookies that he drafted. Um, Hayden Hurst, who I know Dan is a big fan of, tight end for the Bengals. Alexander Madison, uh, Mason Crosby, Rondell Moore. Austin Hooper, former Browns tight end, uh, played for Tennessee this past year, and Matthew Stafford as his quarterback, which I think was another big factor of why his team struggled this year. So pick out a couple guys that uh, stand out to you, both positively and negatively. Um, so I do. I want to say positively was Amon Ross St. Brown. He was an absolute stud this year with Jared Goff having a surprising, a surprisingly amazing year. Um, you know, maybe not entirely on the field, but from a fantasy perspective, he really helped those wide receivers and those running backs uh, do well this year. So I think getting him in, I think the fifth round um, was a really good pick, especially because he needed a wide receiver. Um, the only, the, the one downside that I would have looked at was would have been Aaron Jones. And it might just be the fact that I'm just not a fan of that, of Green Bay in general. Um, ever, you know, ever since when Devonte left, I just kind of had a feeling that this was the offense was going to kind of run the way it was. Um, I'm not a personal fan of Aaron Jones. Like my brother really likes him. I know a lot of people do, but, um, that's where, that's like the one pick that I just, it, again, it's just a personal thing that I don't really, I, I don't really like, but I mean, other than that, I think, you know, on paper, he had a solid draft with Damian Pierce, Chris Olave, two really stud, um, wide receivers. So, you know, I really think that Timmy's got. Um, a decision to make. I don't know who's exactly on his team now. I know he still has Jonathan Taylor. I think he has Devontae Smith and Chris Olave. So, um, you know, those are three people that you might want to consider keeping. I believe he traded Aaron Jones to Matt and Javante Williams to Colin, which he got hurt like the next week, then Colin ended up dropping him. Um, So yeah, those are, those are the, the, so, you know, we'll talk about his team going forward another day, but um, yeah, I'm just not a fan of Aaron Jones. It's just a personal thing, nothing against Aaron Jones or, or, you know, Timmy for keeping him. Yeah. I'm going to go the opposite again. I don't know what tonight is all about, Dana, but I'm just going opposite with you. I, I like Aaron Jones. 
Um, there's a lot of talk heading into the season that he was going to slowly but surely be replaced um, in that Green Bay offense. Um, and it never happened, never came to full fruition. You know, there's been this free Aaron Jones movement by one of my favorite fantasy analysts, uh, Matthew Barry, where, you know, he has been underutilized in years past by the coaching staff. And he is truly a talented player and he'll go off and have a, a three touchdown game here or there, or, you know, a really big performance, but then you're right. He has some dud performances from time to time and, makes it difficult to predict exactly when that's going to happen. And clearly he's getting older um, and AJ Dillon was brought in to be his replacement. So uh, I think that will eventually transition, especially if green Bay decides to trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, this could be a total rebuild where AJ, uh, Aaron Jones might be on the way out um, and AJ Dillon would be their kind of guy of the future. And, um, they'd have a young quarterback if they decide to go with Jordan Love. And um, Green Bay could look very different next season, um, depending on what direction they decide to go with their team. So I like Aaron Jones was the moral of that story. Uh, I've always been fond of him and, and try to draft him in leagues. And um, it's really nice when he has those big performances, but definitely frustrating when he doesn't. But that's the running back position in general. It's really hard to get consistency. Um, from that running back position. Um, yeah, I, let me let me ask you one thing. Um, sorry. So, if you were if you were the Green Bay Packers, would you take this trade? Assuming, let's just say logistically, let's just say logistically, when it comes to cap space and everything, you guys like you would figure that out. Would you trade Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers for Josh Jacobs? Ooh. I think the Packers would want more for those two guys. Um, so I think the Packers would say no if, let's say, the Raiders offered that. Um, and I don't know, again, if, if Aaron Rodgers is out and Jordan Love is in, does Josh Jacobs actually fit your timeline of what you're trying to do? Like, I feel like if Aaron Rodgers is out and they don't think Jordan Love is – immediately going to step in and make them a you know playoff caliber team then they're in a rebuild and their wide receiver position is a disaster um <laughs> uh, watson young wide receiver great alan lazard's a free agent i've actually heard him linked to the cleveland browns which i thought was interesting um could potentially be a wide receiver too for us behind amari cooper but I think Green Bay might be in the rebuilding phase. So I would say no uh, on that on that deal. Ultimately, I think Aaron Rodgers gets traded to uh, the New York Jets. And I think a lot of draft capital gets sent Green Bay's way because they're going to want to draft. Um, and they're going to want to bring in their own talent and assess in the process of building a team from scratch. So that's ultimately my, my thought. And I think Elijah Moore actually might go the other direction as a young wide receiver, um, and they'll try to build him up because it does not seem that he has a, a home in, in New York. Mm-hmm. So um, the only other thing I'll say about Tim's team, I, I think he did a really nice job of like going wide receiver heavy. Like He clearly had a plan. He, he picked his three running backs um, as his keepers, and he says, I'm just going to draft five straight wide receivers and hope that two of them hit 
Um, Mike Williams had some flash throughout the year. Devontae Smith had a really nice year. Chris Olave started slow, but then eventually picked it up by the end of the year. But as you said, Amon Ross St. Brown, huge, huge year for him this year. So, you know, based on this draft, like I know Timmy was not happy with it um, after the draft. I actually really like it. Um, I, I thought it was a really well-constructed draft. He got, you know, beat up a little bit with injuries to have Jonathan Taylor, who was by far the best player in the NFL last year, fantasy wise um, to have such a terrible year this year, injury plague, the Colts were a mess. Um, I think he'll keep them again this year and, and hopefully he has a bounce back and is able to be even just a shell of himself from, from two years ago. And then Matt Stafford obviously getting hurt. That's that's brutal, brutal. Um, you know, banking on him to be your your quarterback one and and not taking a backup in the draft anywhere. You know, he's one of the few teams that I think only took one quarterback, um, which you know is a typical draft strategy for a lot of analysts. Um, but in our draft, very common to take at least two quarterbacks. <laughs> some, some teams even take three. So. Um, to only take Matt Stafford and then have to rely on the waiver wire after he got hurt pretty early on in the season. Um, definitely uh, might be an explanation as to why his team struggled. The next team, our ultimate winner, um, Chris Manny, which again will be interesting because he did not win on draft day. Um, he did a really nice job of making some trades and some acquisitions, but he drafted very well as well. So um, running down his team, we got Austin Eckler, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown as his three keepers. Um, Brees Hall, big risk uh, as a rookie running back, taking him in the the very first round of our draft. Um, He then went Gabe Davis, Tony Pollard, Dallas Goddard, um, Christian Kirk, Daryl Henderson, Kirk Cousins, Albert O, tight end for the Broncos, Nico Collins, San Francisco 49ers, Youngway Koo, Devontae Parker, and Los Angeles Rams or Los Angeles Chargers defense. Excuse me. So run through real quick, Dana, some of the highlights of uh, Chris's team um, and maybe some points where, yeah, you were a little confused as to what he was trying to do. Um, to be honest with you, there, you know, I'm I'm looking at it, and it, it's always kind of hard to assess once you get to like the tenth, eleventh round, sure. as to you know when somebody drafts because without going back and actually seeing who exactly was left, like you know Daryl Henderson at the time, well, he was projected to be the, you know, potential number one, maybe number two at the tenth round. So you know, like those those things are always kind of hard. Um, but like overall, I think Chris had a, a great draft. I mean, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, as you mentioned, is keepers. Uh, Brees Hall would have been rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt. Um, he was doing absolutely amazing when they started giving him the reins for him to take over and, and run the ball. Um, Chris had Tony Pollard, Gabe Davis. So maybe Gabe Davis would be like, uh, again, that's just the personal thing. Uh, he's very hit or miss. He's one of those guys who'll get you the one week where he gets you know, four catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns. And another week could get you three catches for four yards or 14 yards. Um, so, you know, really that's, that's the only thing that's a personal thing that I, you know, again, I'm not a fan of, but I mean, the rest of his draft, like his, his actual starters, Dallas Goddard, um, you know, even Christian Kirk, 
um, Tony Pollard. Like those are like, his starting lineup from the draft. I think was really good. So it's it's kind of hard for me to, you know, pinpoint one thing that I wasn't a fan of. Maybe try to take a quarterback earlier, but Kirk Cousins in the eleventh round, I think, is just fine. Yeah, and it's interesting because Brees Hall did not finish the year on his team. Um, Christian Kirk did not finish the year on his team. Daryl Henderson, clearly, obviously, after he got cut. Um, Albert O didn't. Nico Collins didn't. Um, so it just kind of shows you how much your team changes throughout the year. And the fact that Chris was able to turn the likes of Brees Hall into, um, if I'm not mistaken, he got a running back. Who did he get from Brees Hall? Someone from uh, uh, yeah, James Conner. James Conner. There you go. So, you know, obviously in the long run, not a great trade for Chris, but in the short term, won him a championship. So, um, clearly that was a, a good move on his part because um, it got him the result now. And then Christian Kirk ended up on my team, and then and eventually ended up on Sobey's team. So, kind of got traded around in the league a little bit. But um, yeah, Chris, uh, executive of the year in my opinion, uh, did a really nice job of, of wheeling and dealing and making the proper trades. And uh, he will never let Matt uh, live down the fact that he stole Austin Eckler from him um, for someone that I drafted in year's draft, and that was Julio Jones. But don't you worry, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, for me, I, I think great keepers to have Tyreek Hill, a little bit of a risk heading into the season, not knowing what his role would be like in the Dolphins. Uh, offense, obviously with Tua throwing on the ball, it's not Patrick Mahomes. And then A.J. Brown getting traded in the offseason, not really knowing what he would look like in an Eagles uniform. So he definitely took some risk uh, with his keepers, but it paid off in a big way. Um, so congratulations, Chris. Nicely done. Um, moving on to Jake. Um, Jake's keepers were Cooper Cup, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson. That's a one that we're gonna have to, definitely going to have to talk about. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Lamar Jackson, Garrett Wilson, James Robinson, Sky Moore, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cleveland defense, Tyler Bass, Zamir White, Elijah Mitchell, Alan Lazard, David Njoku, and Pat Fryermuth. So Jake, also typically a very strong player. He made the semifinals last year. Um, and this year definitely struggled. Um, and there's definitely some points in this draft that kind of are like, yep, that's why he struggled. Yep, that's why he struggled. So Dana, talk to us first. The key points of, yeah, that was good for Jake this season. And then maybe some of the points that ended up not turning out so well for him. You really, you want me to start it off? I got gotcha. um, so, well, you. Well, bad guy. Be the one to tear <laughs> it apart because I'm going to tear mine apart. Bad. <laughs> so, um, again, I don't remember Jake's lineup prior to this year, but Antonio Gibson, um, that's the one person that I would have looked to maybe not have kept um, just because even if you really wanted him in the fourth round or the first round of our draft, I, th I think that that's somebody who would have been there at that point. Um, and... If I'm not mistaken, did he trade? He traded something for Zeke to Vadini, correct? Or so, there was some kind of trade. Exactly. So my understanding of the trade, if I remember correctly, is that his original keeper was Zeke. Mm -hmm. And then Antonio Gibson was drafted 
by uh, our friend Ryan during the draft, and they made a trade after that pick, Antonio Gibson for Zeke swap. Okay, so I mean, yeah, either way, just with the way Zeke's been playing, even if Zeke was his keeper, it just wouldn't have been, you know, I think I would have looked to go elsewhere just because I think you could have got Zeke in the fourth or fifth round if you really wanted to. Um, <clears throat> Cortland Sutton just really didn't pan out to be as great. And, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with that offense of the, um, the, the Broncos. So obviously that hurts them a lot as well. Um, and Lamar Jackson took him in the fifth round. Um, but he didn't play toward the end of the, you know, toward the end of the year and obviously in the playoffs because of the contract. And I really can't blame Lamar for everything that he's done. You know, he wants to get that money because if this injury was worse or, you know, is bad or is not as bad, he could have lost his career and he's owed no money after this. So, um, you know, in a contract year, that's always a, a, a coin flip. They could either do really good like Josh Jacobs did this past year, you know, looking for a contract extension, or it could be like Lamar who just did very average and, you know, hurt your fantasy team. Um, Garrett Wilson did really well. Uh, James Robinson was actually doing super good until they decided to trade him to the Jets and just give Travis Etienne the the reins there in um, uh, Jacksonville. But, you know, Jimmy G, like his Jimmy G pick, Sky Moore, who's just an unproven rookie, um, you know, at that point probably hoping that he had more to do with the offense, hoping that he had more to do with the offense and hoping hopefully he was hoping he was going to get more involved. Um, you know, Cleveland defense, I could see that just because, you know, we play in a Cleveland league, so I'm not surprised. And then, um, you know, like Elijah Mitchell, who was super good for San Francisco. And then he got hurt. And then they traded for Christian McCaffrey. So I think that Elijah Mitchell will be a decent backup if he stays there or he'll have to go somewhere else to be um, completely utilized. But his two his two tight ends were actually really good. And Njoku and Pat Firemuth, I believe they both finished top eight. I think they were both up there. In, um, in fantasy production. So, you know, that's where I would, that's where I'm at. Obviously, Najee Harris and Cooper Cup. Najee didn't have a great year this year, sophomore year, but his freshman year there in Pittsburgh was outstanding. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jake, again, a very savvy fantasy player, but unfortunately, his team was hit with two, two situations. One, the injury bug went through his team severely. Two, um, he took some risk on some players and they ended up being bust uh, for this year. Some of the biggest busts of the season, people like Najee Harris, people like Antonio Gibson, people like Cortland Sutton, people like um, Sky Moore, people like Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Uh, Lamar Jackson got hurt. Uh, Cooper Cup got hurt. Uh, Zamir White was supposed to come on and kind of take over Josh Jacobs role. Um, analysts are probably laughing at that now um, that they thought Zamir White was going to come in and, and take over who eventually became the best running back in the league this year. Um, and again, Elijah Mitchell was hurt. Alan Lazard uh, underperformed. So you just kind of go down his list and he took a lot of risk um, and it just didn't pan out for him. And that's part of fantasy football. Um, the one pick that was huge for him and I would hope – and assume that he's probably going to keep him in some capacity next year. And that's Garrett Wilson had a great year with New York. I think he's only going to continue to grow and and be a really important player for that team moving forward. 
And if they end up getting Aaron Rodgers, man, Garrett Wilson can be really, really dangerous, really explosive. Um, so look to see, uh, you know, when we talk about Jake's team heading into the offseason and his options for keepers and things like that, Garrett Wilson's a sneaky player that uh, might end up being one of his three best options, especially since he kept the likes of like Antonio Gibson this year. Um, two more teams, and this was the the final two uh, in last year's, and that would be our friend Ryan Bedini, um, his three keepers, Joe Mixon, Josh Allen, Kyle Pitts, um, who I know Dana has a strong opinion on, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney, Robert Woods, J.D. McKissick, Kenny Galladay, Evan McPherson, Green Bay Packers defense, Jamison Williams, Dallas Cowboys defense, Jameis Winston, uh, Zeke, again, which he traded for from Jake, and Tyler Higby. So uh, rundown, starting with the keepers, some of the standout players on Vadini's team. And again, had an underwhelming year this year, um, and perhaps maybe where his team went wrong. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I, I really did like his keepers and Joe Mixon, Josh Allen and Kyle Pitts. And, you know, as you mentioned, I do, I feel very strongly about, um, about Kyle Pitts. I like him a lot. And especially off his, of his rookie year, like he was, he was, pro, he was projected super high. He did super well for them, you know, with Matt Ryan under center. I believe Matt Ryan was there two years ago, correct? He was, correct. that was his rookie year. Yeah. So he did well with Matt Ryan under center, you know, one of the stout tight ends to go over a thousand yards. And, you know, that's kind of what, that's what we were expecting and hoping for. Um, so, you know, I, on paper from this draft, I liked it, you know, DK Metcalf, the number one wide receiver in um, Seattle, which turned out to be pretty decent after Geno Smith proved that he can still play in the NFL. Um, Amari Cooper, the number one here in, in Cleveland, who did really well for uh, Jacoby Brissett. And even when Deshaun Watson came back, he did pretty well there. And this is where I think that the draft, where his draft started to, um, you know, kind of kind of fall apart a little bit. Um, Darnell Mooney, who was the projected number one there in um, Chicago, really didn't do a whole lot, really wasn't productive when he was on the field. Um, next one, Robert Woods, same kind of thing. Just wasn't super productive when he was on the field. I believe he started hurt. I believe he started the year yeah. hurt, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So he really wasn't productive when he was on the field either. And then J.D. McKissick with the beginning of the year, Antonio Gibson was taking a majority of the carries and J.D. McKissick then took over that role. But then J.D. McKissick got taken over by Brian Robinson, which we'll talk about with our next team. Um, so, you know, I just think that the bottom half of the draft was just really unfortunate for Ryan and then Kyle Pitts not being as productive with um, Marcus Mariota, but none of the receivers, including Drake London, which I drafted, was productive. And I think that was just because of the offense as a whole. So I, I think that that's really what, you know, what hurt him. And, you know, me and Ryan made a trade and now I have Kyle Pitts and I don't remember who exactly I gave him. Deontay Johnson. Yeah. So I gave him Deontay Johnson and Deontay Johnson really didn't do well for him either. So um, nothing really went well for him from that perspective, but he had Tyler Higby as a backup tight end. And when Kyle Pitts wasn't playing well, that was a really solid uh, fill in for the Rams. So um, I think that, 
you know, Vadini being able to keep Joe Mixon and Josh Allen again, if that's his choice. Um, obviously, Josh Allen, a top three, top two, potentially, um, if not the number one um, running or quarterback, excuse me. Um, so I really think that that, um, you know, this year could be a really good year for him because I believe he has a decent team. But those are, you know, the the Darnell Mooney, Robert Woods, both wide receivers not working out is what I think really ended up uh, hurting him. Yeah, and I know Amari Cooper was eventually traded to Justin's team. I'm not sure what Bedini got back in compensation. It might have been Debo Samuel. Um, I, I think that might have been the move. But regardless, because uh, Debo Samuel was hurt, but it was eventually supposed to come back, so they, I think they swapped those two guys. Regardless, yeah, he uh, his team, again, kind of like Jake's team, hit by the injury bug but also just kind of bust potential bug as well um, with the likes of Robert Woods and Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay, I don't know what happened to him since he moved to New York from Detroit, but um, he has just kind of fallen off the face of the earth as a, as a NFL player. Might not be in the league next year. Um, and then we get to the worst draft of the entire draft board, and that would be my team. Man, I don't know what I was thinking drafting this team. Um, you know, I will preface it with a few things. Number one, I play in three fantasy football leagues, and my one rule is that I cannot have the same player on more than one team. So that did you know, I, this was the second team I drafted, if I'm not mistaken, I think. So that did perhaps dissuade me from choosing certain people. So I'm making excuses already. But, you know, starting right off the bat, my three keepers, Jamar Chase, got hurt um, throughout the season. Uh, DeAndre Swift is just constantly hurt. Um, was hoping that he would have kind of his exploding year and kind of show us that he's a top five running back in the league, which... I still think he has that potential, um, but his injury concerns um, make that really difficult. And then Mark Andrews. Do I need to go on another Mark Andrews rant, Dana? I, If you don't want to, I think I know exactly where you stand on him, but he's just such okay. a good player that you just – it makes sense. You know, he's one of the top three tight ends. Yes, and uh, in my defense, I, I did win the league this this past year not this year but the past year and in order to do so just as Chris did I was very active on the trade markets uh, it's one of my favorite parts of fantasy football is, is making trades trying to figure out what do other teams need that I have and what can they offer me that I need um, but in that process I had ended up trading my first three picks of the draft, um, which again, kind of sets you off to a disadvantage right off the bat. Um, I thought, well, you know, I got my three keepers. They're solid. I got a wide receiver. I got a running back. I got a tight end. I got all the positions covered. So first thing I'll take is a, a quarterback when I'm eventually on the board. Um, and I took Dak Prescott and, uh, you know, got injured pretty early on in the season. So that did not help. But uh, when he was on the field, did a decent job. Luckily, as we'll see later, I, I took a pretty decent backup quarterback. Here is where the draft um, turns ugly. 
I went Brandon Cooks as my next wide receiver, uh, hoping that he could be a nice wide receiver too. Always very consistent, always over a thousand yards receiving. Didn't have the greatest year. And then I went running back heavy because I was like, DeAndre Swift, he's got some injury concerns. Let me take running back that have some ups. So I went Clyde Edwards Alaire. That didn't go so well. Kareem Hunt didn't go so well. Damien Harris. Didn't go so well. Naheem Hines, who was supposed to have a nice role behind uh, Jonathan Taylor as a pass-catching back for the Colts. Terrible year. Gets traded to the the Bills. And I was like, you know what? Let's go upside with some wide receiver. Kadarius Toney, who at the time was on the Giants. I was like, oh, the Giants don't have any other wide receivers. He's going to have a big year. Terrible year in in New York to the point where he got traded to Kansas City. Um. the only saving grace in my draft, perhaps, is the fact that I took Tua. I took a chance on him, uh, and he had a great season. Was my starting quarterback for most of the year. Um, I took Brian Robinson, but I, I can't take credit because I dropped him. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he you know, Unfortunately, as we've discussed, he, he was shot um, in, in preseason and uh, you know missed a, the first few weeks of the season. And I didn't have the patience to to keep him because I had other guys on my IR. Um, so I ended up dropping uh, Brian Robinson. And someone else was fortunate enough to pick him up and, and benefit from his good weeks. Matt Gay at uh, kicker, Tampa Bay defense. Um, Traylon Burks and Julio Jones as some uh, hopeful wide receivers. You know, Traylon Burks, a rookie, I thought – you know, he's going to be A.J. Brown's rep- replacement. Hopefully he'll he'll step up and be a rookie of the year candidate. Did not come to fruition for him. And then Julio Jones signing with Tampa Bay. I had a lot of faith in Tampa Bay heading into this season. I was mistaken. I thought, oh, Julio Jones will connect with Tom Brady. This will be like Randy Moss 2.0. Uh, it's going to be some sneaky pick, and people are going to say, why didn't I think about taking Julio Jones? Um, yeah. <laughs> That didn't work. So I definitely took a lot of risk. Um, but, you know, the, the old saying goes, you can't win your league on draft day, but you can definitely lose it. Um, I lost the league on draft day. Um, it, it, I really, I think I only had two decent picks in the draft, and that was my two quarterback picks. So <laughs> not, uh, not ideal. And then when, two of your three keepers underperform in DeAndre Swift and, and Mark Andrews. It's amazing that I even finished in the middle of the league this year, to be honest. So definitely a dud draft. Um, please be as brutal as you need to on, on me, Dana. Tell me how stupid I am for this, for this draft. So, you know, to your defense, you know, you made a lot of picks the previous, you made a lot of, trades the previous year to get you this win so not having your first three picks you know ultimately really hurt you this year Um, but obviously it helped you last year because of everything that you've gotten and because of the win you know getting that win this not this previous year but the year before when we did this draft you know that was really big but coming into this draft not having three picks you're starting your fourth pick way beyond everybody else like the likes of Jalen Hurts is gone Joe Burrow's gone or no, before you got your first pick, um, Jalen Hurts, TJ Hawkinson, 
um, you know, Michael Thomas, Kyler Murray, Chris Godwin, like a lot of people, Lamar, a lot of people were gone. Um, <clears throat> by the time you got to pick, and then, you know, you, you were able to get Dak in the seventh, but then you didn't get to pick again until the ninth. And, you know, as you mentioned, I think that this is kind of where the draft, uh, Kadarius Tony just didn't do anything. Naheem Hines, he just did not do anything. Tua turned out to be really, really good. As you mentioned, you dropped Brian Robinson. Brandon Cooks, when you did get to pick, um, you know, my DJ Moore situation where he's just been consistently over a thousand yards for the past few years. And, you know, he looks like a solid, you know, a solid surefire thousand yards. And, you know, it's a safe pick. CEH, I've never been a fan of CEH, but I get, I get drafting him because at the time he was projected to be the number one running back for Patrick Mahomes on that offense. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't draft people if I don't like them. So like, he's just, if he was there, even I wouldn't pick him. but I understand, you know, someone who would, but he just didn't pan out. He ended up getting hurt and he lost his job. And as we just talked about, like he's getting activated for the Super Bowl just because they might need a body out there. Um, Kareem Hunt, who did very well for the, the Browns the previous year, really just did nothing this year. Like he just was a non-factor. He asked to be traded. The Browns said no. And essentially before that, ever since that and after that, he just, he just, whatever the reason was or whatever the case is, he just didn't look like he could, he could break tackles and get through the holes like he was. <clears throat> Damian Harris, um, you know, I love Ramondre Stevenson. So, you know, Obviously, I'm more of a Ramondre Stevenson guy, but Damian Harris was the lead back for a few games there. And then not I'm not saying he lost his job, but he got injured. He, he missed a few games, and now it looks like Ramondre is going to take that backfield. So I'm going to be even surprised if like, – I think Damian Harris will still be there as a change of back, but, <clears throat> you know, we'll have to see how that goes. And then, of course, you took – you got to take a chance with a rookie in the draft, the Traylon Burks. And he really came to fruition a little the, the last few weeks, but overall, like, that offense – since they lost A.J. Brown in Tennessee, they've just been Derrick Henry friendly. And other than that, the wide receivers haven't did – neither of the wide receivers did great there. Um, the uh, – who was their tight end who started to do a little bit decent toward the end of the year? I can't think of his name. Um, <clears throat> they had a tight end who did decent. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Derrick Henry was the focal point. And, you know, Brian Tannehill under center is kind of like Marcus Mariota. Like, he's just not great. So, you know, that really hinders – that really hinders his ability to to do well in that offense. And then Julio Jones, Julio Jones, like I love Julio Jones. I have a Julio Jones jersey from when he was on the Falcons. Like he was a dominant for so long. And, you know, just to like see his name and not being drafted and like just not picked and just not picked well, and just doesn't play well for the team he's on. It's like, it's really hard to, you know, I, I really think that again, that that's, that's ultimately just not being able to draft until the seventh round is what hurts you other than your first two. Yeah. You know, even As Mark the, Andrews didn't do great. Sure. As the reigning champion, I, I decided after this draft, I'm like, all right, I didn't draft well, but I'm going to go all in because I want to defend, defend the title. I want to defend the title. I want to do everything I could. So I, I went out and made a big trade to get Javante Williams. I was like, all right, Denver, <clears throat> This is very early in the season. I think this might have been week two. I was like, I need another running back. You know, I want to have this dynamic duo, DeAndre Swift, Devontae Williams. I was really happy with that. He then tears his ACL the next week. And I had I had given Timmy a first-round pick for next year for Devontae Yeah, Javante for this upcoming Williams. draft. Yeah, 
So I am now again without my first round pick yet again. Um, and, and that one really, really hurt in, in the moment. seemed like a great trade. I was like, I'm trying to win. Javante Williams is going to be a great back for me. Uh, I was one of Timmy's keepers. I was like, all right, very exciting. Didn't pan out. I then was able to somehow turn CEH into Leonard Fournette. Um, and I was very happy with that trade at the moment. Leonard Fournette had a great season the year before. Then that didn't pan out. I then somehow got Christian Kirk throughout the year. He had a fantastic season. Eventually traded him away for draft capital when I realized my season was over. Um, so, again, I made lots of moves. Ended up dropping most of these guys and finding guys on the waiver wire to help me get through. Uh, so, you know, draft day is very important. It sets that foundation for your team, but it's not the end of, of the draft. And even if you play in a redraft league that doesn't do draft picks, you can find guys on the waivers. You can make trades. Um, you know, you can pair guys up, do two-for-ones. Uh, you just got to get creative, and you got you can't be afraid to ask. The The league knows I am not afraid to ask about trades, constantly reaching out to people, looking at people's rosters, seeing how I can upgrade mine and where their weaknesses might be. And uh, I try to find ways to to make those trades because, one, it's fun. It's, it's something that I enjoy doing. But, two, there's always ways to improve your team. Um, and sometimes it works for you. I was the champion last year. Sometimes it doesn't. This year it certainly did not. Um, so I'm, I'm already setting myself up for failure yet again in this draft. Um, I got a, a slightly different strategy going into this, the, into this year's. I did end up making a big trade for Cooper Cup at the end of the season. I was able to swap him in a second-round pick, I believe, um, or DeAndre Swift in a second-round pick for Cooper Cup in like a fifth or sixth-round pick. So again, giving, giving away another high pick, but getting Cooper Cup instead of DeAndre Swift I think it was a no-brainer. I now have Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup, and if he comes back even slightly as you know dominant as he has been the last two seasons, um, to have possibly two of the top five wide receivers in the NFL on your team, already absolutely, setting, yeah, setting yourself up for some success. And I am going to keep Mark Andrews, believe it or not, uh, at least at the moment, uh, unless someone uh, is dumb enough. I mean. If someone wants to trade for him, um, I'm all ears. So, <laughs> so anybody that, listening to the podcast, if you're in this yeah. fantasy, if you're in this <laughs> fantasy league and want Mark Andrews, shoot Colin a text with an offer. Absolutely, I will give you a good deal. I need some draft capital back, so um, send me offers. Send me offers. <laughs> That concludes our draft analysis. Any final points from you, Dana? <clears throat> no, man. I just, you know, going over last year's draft, I'm just excited to go and talk about this this upcoming draft. <clears throat> as we mentioned, you know, as we mentioned, I've got I've got the second pick. Uh, I think I have three. I think I have a team that has at least three to four solid keepers. So I think, regardless of what I do, I'm I might have a. I might have a chance to be in contention to at least make the playoffs. Um, I've had a past, I've had a, a rough few years. Um, I won the league one time back when we were playing Yahoo when we weren't playing for money, we were playing for fun. Um, so, you know, it's, I want to get, I want to get back to being in the, the, the winning circle. So, uh, you know, but it's always fun and I can't wait for the draft. Absolutely. Draft day is like Christmas day to me. So uh, looking forward to it. We always make a big, 
event out of it. We go golfing, we get food, we hang out all day, we draft and have some laughs and smack talk, and it, it's always a good time. So looking forward to it, and over the next few weeks and months, we'll be kind of breaking down, heading into next season, our our league and, you know, what we think is going to happen and some predictions. So just excited for the Super Bowl this weekend. This, you know, kind of the sad conclusion to the year, but um, it starts the kind of jump starts next season um, and starting to think about what you want to do. So if you don't have anything else to say, Dana, we can close up shop and did a decent job an hour and 20 minutes today. Not too bad. Perfect. Well, until next time, this was the Point After Fantasy Football Podcast. See ya. The kick is up, and the kick is good.